welcome to episode 99 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. On today's episode, Casey talks about a system in place to help zoos and aquariums during disasters. And I talk about the new record for the largest bony fish ever recorded. We learn about two new European favorites. And about our oh-so-small animal of the week. So let's jump into episode 99 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 99 of the Animal Addicts Podcast, one away from 100. As always, we're your host, Allie. And Casey. And today we're going to talk about a whole new batch of super fun animals. I don't know why I had trouble saying animals. <laughs> animals. Um, I almost wanted to say mammals to try and make that, like... Yeah, we're... No. no. I don't think any of these are... Well, yeah, we I don't have know. One. There's one mammal. Anyway, there's, like, no other mammals. <laughs> anyway, so, um, but, uh, but before we get into our animals, Casey, what have you been up to since last I saw you? I finished my first week of volunteering. How was it? Did you do one day or more than one? I did three. Wednesday, oh, wow. Thursday, okay. Friday are Dang. the days I picked. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, it's good. I have one more day of shadowing. Okay. Um, I've done, so how it works is we work in strings in the morning. So basically one, I don't know why they work. There, there used to be blocks, but now they changed it to strings. There's a sheet and it's like, has a list of tasks that you go run through in the morning. I've never heard anything described as a string. That makes no sense. I don't know. Block makes more sense. <laughs> I know. It was like, we even have our little uh, cars that are like things you're supposed to do as like a, like a help list for new volunteers. Yeah. And it says like block six, block seven. And it's like. Which makes more sense. Yeah, but. I didn't have like some other blocks to make it numerically in order. <laughs> oh, weird. Yeah, they've so they've changed, of course, since they made those things. But yes, yeah, so I start off um, with the wallabies and the cavies. Oh, cavies. What's yes. that? Patagonia Mara. Oh, okay. Yeah, we have two Chewy and Chalupa. Aww. They can't be together. Because <laughs> apparently when they expanded their enclosure, they decided, no, this is all mine now. Oh, dear. So now there's a fenced off area and we okay. rotate them every day. But yeah, there's three wallabies. So I go, the first day, first two days, actually, I could not go in there because <laughs> Chewy likes to mark people. Oh, but <laughs> Chewy's not the wallaby, but they're all together? Yeah. So one of the Mara things can be, I forget what their actual name is, but one is off on their own completely secluded yeah. and the other one gets to be with the wallabies? Yeah. Oh, okay. And yeah. then they rotate? Okay. Yep. That's what you get for not being a, a participating member of society. Yeah. Um, and also we keep the, cavies can eat the wallaby food. It's two different kinds of herbivore diet, but the wallabies, especially the young one, um, can't eat the cavies food. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and they eat hay. Oh, I'm so happy, though, because I remember at our old job, hay always set off my allergies. I have not had hay that happen again, oh, thankfully. Oh, thank God. Because, yeah. like, there's a bunch of hay. Yeah, um, awful. Yeah, I have to check the, because there's bedding hay uh, that I floof, you floof up in the morning, too. <laughs> you floof? Yes. Is that the technical name for it? <laughs> That's what I That's call please on the card. It's like, floof <laughs> the bedding hay, please. Yeah, you, so you check that. You um, There's little stumps. I put new hay on that for them to eat. Um, 
change their water, and then rake up the poop from mm-hmm. the previous day. And there's always a bunch. Cause of they, course. Yep. Uh, that area is what takes up most time in the morning. And then you, because it gets hot, we also spray down the enclosure and rake it to make... Are they outside? Or... Yeah, okay. outside. Is it covered? There's part of it does have cover. Okay. Yeah. But they are open to outside. Yeah. Okay. And then you go over to the... We have two tortoises outside. Little T and Big T. <laughs> uh, I assume T for tortoise? Yeah. Wow. It's, no, it's for Tommy. One of them's Tommy. The other one's Timmy. Okay. Well, obviously but we just it be it little T. Timmy is what it should be. It is Timmy. Okay, good. Yeah. But we always just say little T. <laughs> uh, little T's a um, desert tortoise. Big T's a sulcata tortoise. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. I expect them to be rappers now, though. I have expect chains around. Yeah. So I, I make their diets in the morning. They just get plates of veggies. And then the sulcata tortoise also gets hay. And also same thing. Check for feces. And then there's a chart I check if they've defecated or have urates. That's kind of like reptile urine. Because it's solid. <laughs> and it looks white. I had box turtles, and I'm trying to remember if that's what we We saw. have box turtles there, I too. I guess, yes. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. And then um, after that, um, we rake up that area. And another thing to do is always check and scrape away any cobwebs that are outside. Oh. Why? Safety reasons. It's a thing the USDA checks for whenever they come... Um, for inspections. What do they think the spiders are going to do? Bite the animals. <laughs> but would it actually hurt them? Some maybe. Depends on the species. Oh, okay. But also, um, we have guests come in, um, like the wallabies. There's a tour you can do and feed them. So oh, okay. there's that. They also check for holes, like dirt holes near the border of the well, fencing. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. And then after the tortoises, I go to the opossums, and there's four two sets of siblings there's lilo and stitch those are the older two and anna and elsa (laughs) of course so all disney (laughs) yes okay yeah um i finally at first there uh can be a bit more standoffish when you're giving them food because opossums can't see well so (laughs) and they love their food so they might accidentally bite you oh dear more so stitch because he's cross-eyed oh buddy (laughs) yeah um but yeah they're they won't like come after you they're easy going so I finally went in with them, and yeah, they're they're cute. Yay! I like them. Um, and then after that, you go because we have this area called the barn. There's a reptile site and a mammal site. I have only done the reptile site so far. Okay. Yeah. What? So what mammals are in that then? So the hyraxes go in there during the night. Aww. Yeah, we have two hyraxes, two females, Kopi and Meru. Okay. Kopi's a bit chunky, <laughs> and that's how I always tell them apart. <laughs> wow yeah and i've done moving them to their outside enclosure um last my last day on friday was the first day in a long time they had to turn on their um heat mats in their dens in the outdoor enclosure because it was so cold because on our chart we also have like temperatures you can put this animal outside if it's below this they oh, have to stay okay, inside okay, okay all right yeah is the barn heated or it's just yeah it's, it's heated okay mm-hmm. And then I haven't moved out the armadillos, but I've seen them do it. Okay. The one you have to be careful with is um, Arlo. Okay. Because he's the biggest. He's a six-bended armadillo, and wh- and you pick him up, he will grab and give you a hug on your arm. Oh, no. Which is, <laughs> he's big, and he has very long claws, so it oh. can hurt you. 
Is he trying to, or he's just no, okay he, with them? No, he's just, like, hold me. Like, hanging <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, hanging on. Oh, buddy. And we have two species of armadillos. There's the six bandits and dwarf screaming armadillos. Amazing. I don't yeah. think we've ever talked about that, but that sounds fantastic. Yes, they are. And one is named Holly Jolly. And <laughs> they told me the uh, easiest way to tell her is because she's the only one with the butt. <laughs> when you pick her up, she has a little <laughs> chunks. Oh. It looks like a butt. Oh, <laughs> yeah. baby. Mm-hmm. Was she a Christmas present? Is that why she's called Holly Jolly? I don't know. She might have been. Hmm. But yeah, a lot of the mammals, actually most of the animals in the barn are pets, former pets. Okay. And what reptiles do they have? We have a couple of boa constrictors. Okay. There is a um, albino Burmese python. His name's Gomez. No, thank you. He's 30 years old and is missing an eye. Aw, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's a ball python, three uromastics, a tegu, a legless lizard whose name is Legolas. <laughs> Oh my god, I love that. Yep. Um, we have a blue tongue skink, um, a green iguana, but he's red. <laughs> His name's Nola. And I'm trying to remember. Um, did, oh yeah, the red tegu and rosy boa. Oh, and a cane toad. Uh, a cane toad? Yes, there's a cane toad. Why? <laughs> Apparently somebody thought it was a good idea to keep one as a pet. What an idiot. <laughs> yeah. So there's actually a bin full of supplies that's specifically for him. Okay. Because so we don't, don't want to. Cross-contaminate yeah. anything, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I save him last. It's like just because you know, I always wash my hands after that. But, it's but like... still, you just don't want to risk that. Yep. That's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then on the mammal size, I don't remember all of them but like i said we keep the hyraxes and armadillos there during the night um and then we also have some sugar gliders hedgehogs Aww. adorable a, both of those yeah, a couple ferrets okay and chinchillas parrots are so stinky yes but their their names are mushu and miso oh i mean they're cute yeah but they're stinky. yeah and one of the perks is um at the, the last 30 or less minutes is your animal time for like socializing with them my first day i uh went and fed the fennec foxes some mealworm treats and then my second day i didn't really technically get a formal animal time because i just decided um me helping one of the staff was it because i gave some treats to the chinchillas and the hyraxes and then i also helped her feed the alligators okay (laughs) yeah and then the last day on friday i played with mushu and miso oh yay They are. So how many paid staff people do they have? Because they have to have some paid people. There's about 10. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. The rest are interns or volunteers. Volunteers, that yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So yeah, I go back Wednesday and I'm getting trained on string two, which includes um, the ha- mammal half of the barn and then porcupines and I believe our groundhogs. That sounds fun. Yep. Are there a ton more animals after that still? Yeah, there's other ones, but I don't work with yet. Um, so. Okay. So when do you fly solo? Technically, it's four shadow days. So after Wednesday, I'm more on my own, but you're never really on your own. <laughs> no, because like there's always, um, besides for like when I was outside with the opossums, tortoises, and wallabies, there's always other staff coming into like when you're working in the barn and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's good, though. If you ever yeah. have any questions or need help in there, there. Mm-hmm. But you're enjoying it? Yes, very much. Yay! Mm-hmm. Go team! 
Well, that's fun. Yeah. Oh, and I just remembered. Um, yeah. I wasn't until I I didn't realize it until my last day when I was talking to one of the interns, and it's like because I'm going to be working on the day of our fundraiser. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Which is Friday. Um, we're having. I can't remember her name now, but um, we're doing a fundraiser for the Cheetah Conservation Fund. Oh, nice. Yep. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Are they going to bring any Anatolians with them and cheetahs? We don't have Anatolians. We have a lab named Yara. Okay. Yep. That's cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, mm-hmm. that sounds fun. So we'll yep. have continued tales from that. Mm-hmm. Tales. <laughs> Get it? Yep. Yay. Love it. Um, so I watched another documentary <laughs> because it popped up on my Disney Plus when I was going to watch other things. And it's called Supernatural. <laughs> And the first episode is Strange Alliances. Um, this series is narrated by Benedict Cumberbatch and also directed by, um, really? I'm going to blank on his name right now. James Cameron. Got it. <laughs> and this one, unlike the whole, like, America the Beautiful and, like, he- land of heroes, this one is far more, like, superhero-y. So they're doing a better job of it. Also, I feel like I have to watch more episodes, but I feel like I really like the way this one is told, the way they're presenting it. It is weird. They're like, I should also say, sorry, spoiler. It is safe. <laughs> um, and I feel like they must film the animals and then go back and like do visual effects and stuff to try to make it look like what their super type powers are. So it's kind of weird. Some of that's kind of weird, and some of the stuff that, like, a tree is doing at one point, I'm like, I feel like the way you're visually representing this, people are going to think that that's actually happening when you're really just trying to give a visual representation of, like, they get into, like, the wood-wide web of trees talking mm-hmm. to each other and stuff, and so when the one Douglas fir, I want to say, with the beetle that attacks it, and it warns the other trees, and then it starts sending out nutrients from its own tree. It just commits suicide, essentially, and sends out <laughs> nutrients to other trees. But they're showing it, like, glowing and going down. And I'm like, I think people are going to think that's what it really looks like. <laughs> and I feel like you shouldn't do that. <laughs> so You know what that reminds me of? What? It's so stupid. It's like I, There was a teacher talking about, like, how he had a student ask, like, when did the world turn into color? Like, what was it like when it was black and white? Because, like, old movies, black right, and white. Right, right. So it's like, the world must have been black and white is what his thinking was. Like, <laughs> How old was this kid? High school. <laughs> oh, no. Like, a small child. Yeah. If they also, at this point, who's being raised only seeing black and white? I like, know. That's weird. Anyway, that's crazy. Anywho, that's very strange. But, yeah, mm-hmm. so it's kind of weird. So stuff like that, I'm like, I feel like that's weird and kind of, like, going to be misleading. Mm-hmm. But, anyway, it's real weird. But, um, so anyway, so this one is called, the first episode is called Strange Alliances, um, and it's, it's just like, they have this weird visual effect. So they're showing this one hawk, you would think I remember what it is, um, and she's flying and it's like, they're showing it like almost like a little, not force field, but like, I don't know what I'm trying to say, (laughs) but like an energy force, you know like when a bomb goes off, what's that thing that hits? (laughs) What is that called? You know what I'm talking uh, about? The, the force something. Anyway, that thing that happens that knocks the trees down and everything. <laughs> so it kind of looks like that as this hawk, I think she's a hawk, is flying through the forest and stuff. Anyway, and they're very fast apparently mm. and very agile and it was all exciting. But then they talk about the northern flying squirrels, which are adorable. <laughs> oh my God. They're so cute. So the whole thing is they're talking about, like, animals that have different alliances together, and they jump all around the world. So, like, they have, like, the northern 
was there. I guess it was alliances with each other on that one. So, like, the Norn flying squirrels is that, like, they're tiny, and it gets so mm-hmm. freezing where they live. So they live in this little, like, burrow in a tree, all huddled together, but then they have to go out and get their food, and then they fly. And then when they get lost, not lost, but they're like, oh, no, we have to get back to bed so we don't die. So then they call out to each other. But then apparently also when they flip the camera into infrared, if they shoot infrared, mm-hmm. then their bellies glow which helps them find each other I'm like wouldn't that also help i guess not everything sees in infrared they do but anyway so anyway so that was the whole thing but they're so cute and they jump around and get their little foods and they're just adorables anyway um so there's that one then they talk about in uganda there's some warthogs and some mongoose and they were together so they say this only happens really in places that are like human habitated type things that's not a word <laughs> whatever (laughs) anyway and the warthogs get ticks and all kinds of things on them right they can't get off so they will literally roll over and let the mongoose mongoose come up and like eat them not eat the warthog but eat all the ticks and stuff off them and groom them and then they show at a point all the mongoose are like sleeping (laughs) it's just so cute anyway and then it shows an alliance of like in africa uh i forget what the acacias call it some kind of acacia and the ants that are there what are they the probably thorny acacia and it's not a cor- thorny. I mean, oh. it does have thorns, but it was called something else. Hmm. I think all acacia has thorns, I imagine. Anyway, but it's a cocktail ant, and they um, emit this sound somehow. The ants, like, cut things into little trees thing, and somehow it emits a sound that sounds like buzzing bees, so the elephants don't mess with it. But then giraffe will come in, and they'll get their little tongues around the thorns and everything, so then the ants have to go and attack them and bite them, and then they spray them with stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's a whole thing. So anyway, it just talks about different alliances between different animals and stuff. And then at one point they're talking about down in Brazil, I want to say, dolphins and humans working together to fish. Oh. Yeah. So it's just kind of, it's kind of interesting. But I kind of, I so I like it. It's cool. Also, I like Benedict Cumberbatch as a narrator compared to some of these other narrators. I'm, I'm liking it. Can't wait for the penguin episode. I'm dying to oh hear if he's gosh. fixed it. Um, <laughs> but, or there's an episode with penguins. But, um... So it is cool because it's like this cool visual effects of like it's essentially giving you they must have thrown a flown a drone through like the path that the bird took or something mm-hmm. so you get that visual which is kind of cool because you're getting like a bird's eye view right or whatever the animal's eye view but just with the stuff like the trees it just seems real weird i'm like i think that's gonna be confusing to people that they think this is what it's really like and it's not really like that you're just trying to give this dramatic because it feels like watching an action movie or like a superhero movie mm-hmm. So, anyway, it's very interesting. I would say definitely check it out. It's it's kind of cool. And I like it more than the America series, the America yeah. the Beautiful series. Also, it's not just limited to America. Yeah. So, there you go. Nice. Yeah. And when you talked about the ant, there reminds me how, like, in Af- some er- parts of Africa, what they're doing to deter elephants from destroying farmers' crops is they're lining fences with beehives. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> interesting that elephants are so afraid of bees. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like you can outrun them, so I guess. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, I didn't think of elephants being afraid of bees, but mm-hmm. there you go. They are. And I forget there are other ones, too, but anyway, it was, it was cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty cool. I think they were talking about burrowing owls in that one, too, because they work together. Yeah, because th- some of them, they were just working together with their own type of animals. Mm-hmm. And they, um, which also was interesting about it is, like, this is the first documentary, documentary aside from, like, finding out that Denali was the coldest place. I feel like I learned new information that I didn't know before in this documentary about some animals we've talked about or I've learned about before. So, burrowing owls, also just owlets. I can't. They're so cute. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so they go, 
So they have different things they have to watch out for, like bison can crush them, obviously, right? And then, obviously, snakes and all the other things. So they set up their little alarm systems, right, so everyone goes and hides and all that stuff. And the owlets are just so cute. Because, <laughs> like, what was he doing at one point? He, like, just falls over? I don't know. <laughs> they're just so funny because they're just talking about them having to, like, learn, learn the ropes and everything. And it's like, he just, I don't know what he was trying to do. He was trying to get a piece of food or something, and he just crashes into it and falls over. And then one, it looks like it's sitting, and it's just so weird. But anyway, so they go into their burrow. And the bison are walking by and, like, rolling around and everything. And apparently they like to roll around where, like, the burrows are because it's all dirty, so they like to take a dirt bath. So all the owls start making a sound that sounds like a rattlesnake. Oh. And it scares off the bison. <sighs> but it's so funny because they have their camera inside and you just see all these owls, like, <laughs> they're mostly, like, hissing. <laughs> but it sounds like a rattlesnake. And I'm like, what? And they just have all these little owls and little owlets doing it, too. And everyone's got their little mouths open doing it. And the bison gets up and walks away. Oh, my god! I was like, what? That's new. Anyway, it was cool. I, I suggest it. So check it out. That's a National Geographic one. Nice. Anyway, all right. We should move on into things that we want to talk about. So, Casey, what do you want to talk about today? Hurricane disasters. Yay. Always good news with Casey. Yeah. All right. So, of course, with Florida, there was Hurricane Ian. Right. Yeah. And so the casualties with that have included 137 people have died. It has caused over $50 billion in damages. Yep, yep, yep. I didn't know that many people died already. Yeah. Is that actually in Florida, Florida, or off other places? Mm. I just feel like when you're in, like, the mainland states. I think it's it's mainly just talking about Florida florida i feel like in the mainland states like that is just a failure of the local communities because that should, there's no excuse for that mm-hmm. when you know mm-hmm. it's coming it's not like an earthquake well don't you remember like i don't know i was on tiktok and i saw people in florida being it's like ah, it's just poor weather what are we doing where floridians is? i mean there are and a lot of stupid floridians doing a bunch real. of stupid well stuff there is too. the issue too where you have the socioeconomic people where they can't leave yeah like they're trapped and they don't have either the finances or they have medical situations they can't leave mm-hmm. but that's on the government then to evacuate these people like yeah. you knew it was gonna be bad it's like katrina all over again mm-hmm. like you knew it was gonna be bad so go fix it anyway and then there are the stupid people that there's nothing you can do about what are you gonna yeah. do I feel like all those people, too, I'm like, uh, the rescue team should not have to risk their lives because you were stupid. <laughs> you made a choice. <laughs> yeah. God will handle it, which is how most of them are. I'm like, and God is choosing to let you die because you were dumb. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> learn from your mistakes. Adapt yeah. or die. You shall die. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So there were zoos, obviously, yeah, in the area. So, so you probably saw people, like, putting their animals in certain areas so they don't freak out, storing up food, all that stuff. I even think about the turtle rescue down in the Keys. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they're okay. Anyway, yeah. continue. So anyway, there's other zoos reaching out to help out through uh, what is called the Zoo Disaster Response Rescue and Recovery. That is Which is ZDR3. That sounds like Star Wars. Okay. I know. But anyway, it's basically a network that many zoos partake in where they have staff at their facility that um, can work in various different areas in case of disaster. Um, so um, in order, they won't just send people. You, so zoos have to make a formal request for people to come in. So some zoos have been doing that. And um, the first one to respond was actually San Antonio Zoo because... Apparently, they have, like, the most experienced staff when it comes to this stuff. So, a lot of what they're doing now is, like, they're also bringing food, extra food for all the animals in case supplies have run out. And they also have um, people that specialize in making, maintaining electrical equipment, because especially with the reptiles, you need to make sure that you get your generators and stuff like that running in order to run 
um, your heating elements and right. other forms of life support. So there's that, and they also have people that um, are coming in, debris specialists basically clearing the way so people with trucks and more equipment can come in and help them out more. Hmm. Okay. Yep. Did they say anything about... Oh, about zoos and what they've lost? They did not go into specifics. They did talk about some facilities. Um, basically, like they talked about the Punta Gorda based island, um, Iguana Land. Um, but they went more into like how they're an educational facility that specializes in reptiles, educating populate the people about how they're not all great pets and mm-hmm. um, also how they're infecting the environment. But not much in terms of what they've lost. Um, some, though, they've lost elect- electrical lines have been damaged, so they've had to get those repaired. Yeah. But in terms of, like, animal loss, that was not mentioned in this. Okay. Well, hopefully yeah. it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. I just remember seeing something where it was a hurricane, of course. Mm-hmm. And then they had, like, escaped crocodiles and stuff or alligators because their stuff flooded. And yeah. Whoop de doops. <laughs> Out they go. Yeah. So I would just I would just never want to live in Florida. I'm like, mm-hmm. I feel like that's like the Australia of the US where things just want to kill you. Yeah. You know, during the lilac fires, um Wild Wonders actually had to be evacuated. Um Where's Wild Wonders? It's in Bonzel. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, okay. when I went to my orientation I was told about how when they came back, like the lower part of the field before it got to enclosures was completely gone and scorched yeah yeah so they were all the animals were off site for about two weeks oh mm-hmm. poor critters mm-hmm. yeah it's crazy i just i feel like it's weird because i'm like fires you don't usually get a ton of either you have no notice or mm-hmm. you might have like a day or two notice yeah. depending on what the fire is going on earthquakes we have no notice hurricanes you know like a week in advance yeah <laughs> like you know it did get worse though coming. because we did s- I don't remember how late into it it was, but they were giving reports about, like, it's changing course and it's going more inland. Which does happen. Yeah. But also, if it's more inland, it's not going to do as much damage. Yeah. Because you don't get the storm surge. You're going to get the flooding, Mm -hmm. but you don't get the storm surge, which just destroys things. Anyway, moving right along. Okay, well, is that it for the zoo thing? Yes. Okay, so good to know they have something in place for that, though. Mm -hmm. There you go. All right, well, I have a story about um speaking of ocean stuff a this is the article headline a majestic in parentheses <laughs> i don't know why three ton sunfish sets a new world record for largest bony fish ever discovered so casey has asked a few times on this <laughs> podcast what the largest bony fish is mm-hmm. and i did not get it the first time but i think i got it the second time maybe it was the third but either way i got it at one point so anyway so this guy also is crazy because it's dead. So it's sitting next to people. Look how big that thing yeah. is. That's huge, dude. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so a new study has revealed that a 6,000-pound giant sunfish found dead in the Azores? Azores. Azores. Okay. I don't know where that is. I guess we'll find out as we get into the article. Is <laughs> the heaviest bony fish ever recorded. So um, it was discovered near a Portuguese island and has set a new world record, obviously. Um, and let's see. It was discovered on December 9th. What? That is old. Really? Why are they just getting to this now? I did not see that before. <laughs> I'm so confused. So it's at the scale tipping behemoth known as the giant sunfish or bumphead sunfish. Uh, was discovered on December 9th, 2021 as it floated lifelessly. That's lovely. Off the coast of the... 
Fayal Island? I don't know. Spell In, it. Uh, F-A-I-A-L. Say Fayal Island in the Azores, a Portuguese group of islands in the North Atlantic Ocean. Local authorities scooped up the heavy, hefty carcass and took it back to port so it could be properly studied, according to a statement from the Atlantic Naturalist Association, a nonprofit conservation and research organization based on the Fayal Islands. <laughs> um, Researchers carried out a necropsy on the giant sunfish and detailed the results in a new study published October 11th in the Journal of Fish Biology. And the humongous fish was around 12 feet, 3.6 meters tall, and around 11 feet, 3.5 meters long. And it weighed a hefty 6,049 pounds. 2,744 kilograms. Or approximately 3 tons. Uh, 2.7 metric tons. The researchers also analyzed the sunfish's sun stomach contents and took samples of its DNA, according to the statement. But anyway, um, so I don't know why we're just hearing about this now. So the previous world record for the heaviest bony fish was held by another giant sunfish caught in Japan in 1996, which weighed around 5,070 pounds, according to Guinness World Records. So I'm not sure if they're saying that this, uh, <laughs> they just came up with this in October, 11th of this year i don't know why it took them a year <laughs> to figure that out or what i'm confused or maybe they just finally issued it for guinness i'm confused because it's definitely maybe. just recently published so i don't know why that's that old but anyway so it's really big that's basically or maybe see. someone from guinness had to be took a while to get that's it what i'm thinking maybe they had to actually like, go through the like getting it officially named the... which is funny because like i remember i met a sword saw earlier it's like According to him, he's beating like the world record. But the only reason I'm not in there is like I don't have someone going there. Yep. <laughs> so weird. Someone from Guinness to be like, oh yes, yeah. you do have proof of that. That's fun. <laughs> anyway, so um, so there you go. You can read the rest of it, but it's a giant fish. And if you look at the picture of it, is real, real big, dude. Is pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I just want to see what this is saying. Oh, okay. That has nothing to do with it. But just for funsies, guys, in June, fishers in Cambodia reeled in the world's heaviest freshwater fish, which was a 13-foot-long, 4-meter, giant freshwater stingray, and it weighed 661 pounds, or 300 kilograms. I didn't even yeah, know there were freshwater stingrays. Yeah, some of the freshwater stingrays. stingrays are so big. Did not even know that they existed. You um, didn't know there were freshwater stingrays? No, I don't think I did. Yep. I've only ever seen them at the coast. Yep, there's a couple of them. Anyway. They're cool. But this thing is huge mm -hmm. next to these mm -hmm. people. It's crazy. So you can go look at it and see it's very large. And Casey is very much right. They are the biggest <laughs> bony fish. Also, I love the way they described it. I was like, this is exactly how Casey has worded these questions. <laughs> anyway, so that's that. But that's going to get us into our picks this week. And it was Casey's turn to choose. So Casey, what did you choose? What category and who did you choose? I went, the category is European reptiles. Okay, and who did you choose? The Iberian Worm Lizard. Okay, I'm going to look that up while you talk about it. Yeah. Go for it. So their scientific name is Blanus cinereus. This species of lizard is found on the Iberian Peninsula, with its range covering most of Spain and Portugal. They can be found in a variety of habitats in the Mediterranean environment, including coastal, mountain forests, and even agricultural areas. The maximum lifespan recorded for the species is about 16 years, and they max out at around 28 centimeters in length. Sorry, it was behind the mic. I had to get to it. 28. So like 11 inches. Oh, yeah. that's why it's called a worm lizard. It's mm -hmm. not that big. Nope. Okay. 
<laughs> the species is an opportunistic feeder and will feed on a wide variety of foods. Most of its diet, though, consists of insect and their larvae. The Iberian worm lizard ha has what are known as quadrangular scales covering its body, which create a ringed appearance similar to that of earthworms. It's so weird. Yeah. Because the head so looks like a lizard, mm -hmm. but its body so looks like a worm. Yes. Very cool. I don't like it. Okay. That along with the fact that this species is a legless lizard is how they got the name worm lizard. These scales are also known as annuli, and they are only loosely connected, which allows the worm to move forward and backwards. Okay. This species belongs to the family Blanidae, and this family of lizards belongs to a larger group of lizards known as the Amphisabinia. Blanity is just weird. Okay. <laughs> I feel like it's like, blam! Yep. Anyway, continue. These are commonly referred to as the worm lizards. This group consists of five different families containing about 169 species. And only one family in this group, the Bipedidae, has, uh, which has three species with four limbs. But all the rest are legless. Okay. These lizards are highly specialized fossorial species, meaning they are well adapted for a burrowing lifestyle. They have a rigid, compact scales that allows them to easily burrow through the loose soil that they live in. I would also like to point out that the Sheltopusic belongs to the family Anguidae, which is not included within the Amphisabinians, and they evolve um, their <laughs> legolessness independently of each other. I also like them more. Sorry, but okay. That's also so weird that there's two different types of legless lizards. Mm -hmm. There are several legless lizards. Ah, oh, so weird. <laughs> Studies have, by the way, um, uh, Legolas is a Sheltopusic. Okay. I also know every time you say Legolas, all I can hear is Legolas. <laughs> oh, I love yeah. it anyway. But I imagine it with like blonde hair. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Give him a little bow. Oh my. An arrow. <laughs> oh my god. For Halloween. Yeah. Anyway. Studies have also suggested that even within the amphis minions yes. that these legless adaptations have evolved at least three times now oh. the worm lizard has a very um small poorly developed eye so they can't see very well and are only useful for detecting changes in light intensity hmm. it is for this reason the animal gets names like cobra sega and colobretta sega which both translate to blind snake even though it is not a snake oh my gosh yeah. And instead of using eyesight to get around, the Iberian worm lizard relies on chemoreception to navigate and locate prey. It has a forked tongue similar to a snake um, that picks up chemicals in its environment, and they have a very sensitive vermeronasal organ, also known as the Jacobson's organ. Okay. <laughs> I was just literally thinking Jacobson's organ because I couldn't remember what its actual name was. Is yeah. that what its actual name is? There, you can use both. Okay. If you want to sound fancier, you say vermero nasal. But that's the same thing like cats have too. Mm -hmm. What is the fancy name? Vero. Vomero nasal. Vomero nasal. Mm -hmm. Vomero like bone marrow. Vomero yep. nasal mm -hmm. or Jacobson's organ. Much yes. easier. <laughs> um, along with detecting prey, they use these tongues to take detect chemical signals from predators such as the southern smooth snake or the Vedriaga skink. Okay. Quick aside, I don't mm -hmm. remember. Did Sheltopusics have a forked tongue? They do not, I believe. I don't remember, but I'm bad at remembering things. <laughs> I'm going to check my notes. Okay. Like most other reptiles, they are ectothermic and most rely on their 
must rely on their environment to warm up their bodies and maintain a constant body temperature, they will instead burrow themselves beneath hot stones to warm themselves up in torrid basks. Hmm. And because if they were to bask on top of rocks, that would leave them vulnerable to predators. Interesting. Okay, that's mm-hmm. cool. This species is oviparous, meaning they lay eggs. And this also plays into their subterranean lifestyle as the females will lay their eggs underground to avoid predation. And because so much of their life revolves around being underground, most of their ecology and reproductive biology remains unknown. So no wonder people think they're a worm. Yep. (laughs) The Iberian worm lizard is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN red list, and their population is currently stable. Because of its fossorial lifestyle, if there are any major threats to the species, they are not well known. But it is possible in some regions they may be declining due to urbanizations. Also, boars are known to dig up and eat these lizards, and the boar's range is expanding in Spain and Portugal, which may pose a potential future threat for them. Oh, dear. Mm -hmm. Okay. This poor guy. They're going to be mistaken for a snake and for a worm. Like, I'm neither of these. It's a snake. It's a worm. It's a lizard. Mm. (laughs) Um, Just as a recap, viviparous can't say it is when they give birth to live young right yes. and then oviparous is when they have eggs and then yes. oviviparous is when they have eggs but the eggs hatch inside and then the live young come out yep so freaking complicated <laughs> okay and then also vimero nasal nasal that was like the easy part of the word i can't remember okay i'll get there i'm gonna learn like six fancy words and be sound like and make a sentence that makes sense out of them but like this is how i can sound like a fancy biologist there you go anyway okay well that's interesting it's so weird because the face so looks like a lizard yeah but the body so looks like a worm it's very strange very very strange indeed okay well that gets us into my choice and uh mine is beautiful i chose the oscillated lizard and their scientific name is I want to say Timon, but I don't think that's right. <laughs> I'm going to see Timon, Lepidus, um, or maybe Timon. I don't know how they say their eyes. Anyway, um, this lizard is endemic to southwestern Europe and is found in parts of southern France and most of Spain and Portugal. They live in a variety of habitats, such as dry woodlands, scrublands, and grasslands, but can also live in more developed areas like olive, gro- olive groves and vineyards. The maximum lifespan of the species is 17 years. They are one of the largest lizard species in Europe. On average, they measure between 40 and 60 centimeters in length. So, uh, almost two feet. Anyway, um, these lizards are insectivores and feed on a large variety of small invertebrates, such as beetles and other insects and snails, but they will occasionally go after smaller reptiles and frogs. Oh, snap. They are also one of the prettiest species of lizards in Europe. Yes, correct. Often having a green color on its back. And for this reason, they are sometimes called the jeweled lacerta. Yep, jeweled lacerta. Okay. Um, This is especially common in the pet trade. The term lacerta uh, comes from their family name, Lacertidae, mm-hmm. which are often referred to as, oh, you're trying to kill me again, <laughs> Lacertids, but are more commonly known as wall lizards. This is a bit ironic in the case of this species because oscillated lizards are capable of climbing on rocks and trees, but spend the majority of their time on the ground. They will dig burrows to give themselves shelter, but they will also take advantage of abandoned rabbit burrows. There you go. The oscillated lizard, it, lizard is an ovi... Nope. 
oviparous <laughs> trying to make it extra oviparous species so the female lays clutches of eggs during the breeding season breeding season is usually in late spring to early summer and during this time males become incredibly territorial and fights will often break out between competing males the females can lay clutches that range from five up to 12 eggs which take about three months to develop I want to see a baby so bad, but they're so cute. The oscillated lizard is currently listed as near-threatened by the IUCN Red List, and their population is currently in decline. The most significant threats to this species are continued habitat loss as well as pesticide pollution. There has also been a decline in the rabbit population in their native range, which some suspect may be causing predators to change their prey preference and start going after lizards more often. Oh no. In their natural habitat, there is also a decline in grazing by livestock which has resulted in a decline of habitat because their grazing helps provide more open areas that these lizards prefer to live in. At one point this lizard was consumed ew, as a cuisine in Extremadura? Extremadura, something like that, which is located in Spain. If this tradition were to pick up again it may put further pressure on the on this declining species. Anyway, they're gorgeous. You have to see a picture of them. They're so beautiful. I want to see a baby mm -hmm. one so bad. Yep. I'm going to have to go look that up. By the way, looking at pictures, it appears the Sheltapusik has a very fleshy tongue. Fleshy tongue? Yes, like ours. Okay, so not like not no. a forked one. <laughs> I was like, are forked ones not? I guess they're not. They're like ribbons. I don't mm -hmm. know how you describe that. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, okay, so... Brain, come back to me. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so that is going to bring us to our animal of the week. And our animal of the week this week is... The Etruscan Shrew. The Etruscan Shrew. I know nothing about this, so please tell us about them. Okay. So these guys are in the order Eulipotypha. Yes. <laughs> You, they're come, they are in the Oryllipotyphla, and they're in the family Sauricidae, and their scientific name is Suncus etruscus. Suncus? Like Suncus the drink? Or just Suncus? You can pronounce it like that. It's spelled S-U-N-C-U-S. Oh, okay. Suncus. Okay. Suncus the drink. Well, it sounded like Suncust. Um, this species is found in many regions across Eurasia, including parts of the Arabian Peninsula, as well as parts of India and China, but are most commonly found around the Mediterranean. There is also an introduced population on Madagascar. Um, they are most often found living in forests and shrublands, as well as grasslands. They have a lifespan of only about two years, and the Etruscan shrew holds the title of being the smallest mammal by mass. They are only about 3 to 5 centimeters long and weigh 1.3 to 2.5 gra grams, averaging about 1.8. That's a mammal? Yes. <laughs> oh my god, it's so little. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, was that 3 was the max? Mm -hmm. What was the smaller one? One point. Oh wait, no, 3 is the minimum. Oh. 5 is the max. Okay, that's a little bit better. <laughs> That's more like a mouse. Okay, that's acceptable. <laughs> I mean, is that, wait, from what length, though? From, like, nose to butt? Uh, that's not including the tail. Okay. But they have a tiny tail. Okay, so it's like a mouse. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's better. When it was a three and that was the max, I was like, absolutely not. This is yeah. crazy. But, yeah, it's smallest by mass. Okay. So, like most other shrews, um, they are insectivores, and they feed on a variety of invertebrates, and, uh, as well as larvae, 
and they will also eat on earthworms. Upon first look, shrews superficially resemble rodents like mice due to their small size and active nature. They're so cute. However, they are not related to rodents at all, and are and among their closest relatives are the moles, hedgehogs, and selenodons. Shrews are members of the fa family Sauricidae, and it is a very diverse family with nearly two, 400 different species. One of the most noticeable characteristics of shrews is their hyperactivity with fast jerky movements. This is because shrews have among the highest metabolism, metabolisms in the animal kingdom. Some species have heart rates from 800 to 1000 beats per minute. The Etruscan shrew, however, has the highest rate of any known animal with a heart rate of 1,500 beats per minute. Even more than... That surpasses a hummingbird. Wow, that's crazy. Shrews mm -hmm. also have been recorded making as much as 12 body movements in a single second. Wow, that's crazy. The only time this animal is not on the move is when they are resting under vegetation, which has never been seen for longer than 30 minutes. This highly active lifestyle puts an extreme energy demand on the body, so the shrew is almost always on the hunt for prey, and they must eat the equivalent of 1.5 to 2 times their body weight in food each day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> this demand for food also makes them highly territorial, so they live solitary lifestyles and will aggressively defend their territory against other shrews, and will protect their territory by making various chirping no noises. Aww. <laughs> The Etruscan shrew has very poor eyesight, so they don't rely on visual cues to locate their prey. Instead, they predominantly rely on their sense of touch. They have incredibly sensitive whiskers known as vibrissae okay. and constantly move them in a behavior known as whisking. <laughs> Adorable. And they will whisk until it fills an insect, then they will attack and consume it. Oh, okay. And they eat it very quickly. They pretty much don't even use their hands. <laughs> Just jump, jump, jump. Wow, that's crazy. Okay. Yep. With some shrew species, they made um, prey replicas and showed that they could identify when it was a prey item and not just attacking whatever it touches. And it only attacked those in the shape of crickets, but not other objects of the same size. What? So that's they're incredibly weird. sensitive. Okay. Obviously, with their hyperactive metabolism, um, Food is very important for keeping this animal going, so when there is a food shortage, they can enter into a state of temporary torpor similar to hummingbirds in order to conserve their energy, and their body temperature drops down to about 6 degrees Celsius. Oh god, I don't remember what that conversion is, but continue, I'll figure it out. And due to their small size, they have a large surface area to volume ratio, which puts them at risk for hypothermia. So they will go into this torpor state as well whenever they get exposed to cold stress. Okay. 42.8 Fahrenheit, by the way. Yep. Okay. Anyway, continue. The Etruscan shrew is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN red list. The biggest threat to this species is human encroachment, um, is reducing their nesting grounds and habitat due to farming. Okay, they're mm -hmm. so little. Yes. Oh my gosh, they're so cute. Yep. And they, what are you talking about the most noticeable thing about them? Their long freaking nose is what's <laughs> most noticeable about them. They totally do look like rodents though, yeah. so it's weird. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they're cl more closely related to big cats than rodents. The world is weird. <laughs> it's just so weird. Just like Hyrax are more yeah. related to like elephants mm -hmm. than like a rabbit. Anyway, nutso. Okay. Oh yeah, I love shrews. They're awesome. They're pretty cool. I don't know 
understand how the term like taming of the shrew and like the shrew being someone who's like mean mm. is came about like are shrews mean they're they can be aggressive with one another but really it's just because they have ravenous predatory life so weird anyway yeah. some, some i know there was this really old i think black and white movies the killer shrews i think it was called of course these weren't tiny little shrews they were like just That's giant when they make things. like the, man, the monster yeah. ones, yeah, like the giant spiders and stuff mm-hmm. yeah all right uh so casey yes Adam. what do you call someone who herds small mole-like mammals a moment <laughs> a shrew driver oh my gosh <laughs> anyway okay that is gonna bring us to our challenge and we are doing another round of cups i do have my dice ready so let's see who's going first it is me it's a 14 all right we got the timer ready for yes. five minutes okay here we go and go uh this has gotta be one of those random ones okay california is the blank state it's a color Oh, Golden State. Yes. And if you get punched in your eye... You get a black eye. But it's usually also called something that's like sparkly. Shiner. Yeah. Put those together. Well, a Golden Shiner? There you go. <laughs> that has to be a bird. Yeah, I assume so. Okay. Uh, It's a jewel. Okay. A diamond? It's oh, red. Ruby. Um, A king wears a... Crown. Ruby crown. Oh, crap. Oh, you can say crown? Put no, it down. I can say king. Oh, put it down. Okay, pull another one. Okay. Okay, so I have pearly whites, also known as... Teeth? Singular. Tooth. Not small, but... Big, large. Large tooth sawfish? Yes. Okay, cool. Um. Okay, this is one of my picks. I don't remember what for. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, once again, the golden state is... California. Yes. And these are animals that uh, they don't roar, and they're not a part of a pride, but they're in the water. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> you find them in San Francisco in- a lot. It's an aquatic animal. Otters? No. no. Biggers. The bigger. They waddle. And they oh, bark. California sea lion. There you go. I remember now. Oh, the only big cat in the Americas. Uh, I always, this always angers me because I'm always like, they should be big cats, is the jaguar. Yep. Okay. Um, must be a bird. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I, how do, I don't know why I can't figure out how to get that word out. Um, Huh. Uh-huh. Um. I don't. Well, let's move on to the next word because I don't know why I can't get that color out. Okay, it's just like it's a color, and it's the color of poop usually. <laughs> Brown. There we go. Great, we got that. And then there's a type. So the shark that Jaws was probably based off of was a. Okay, but um. Brown ball. And then and then what's the, what is the top part of your body? Your head. Round. Yes. Put those together. Round. Wait. Yes. Brown bowl head? Yes. <laughs> don't know. That's, I'm looking at it. Oh, that's a fish or that's a bird, but it's something. Okay, so it's a very large dolphin. Okay. They have a big bulbous head. Okay. Um, they, they, they commonly are in mass strandings. Oh, oh, uh, why? Pi- no, not pilot whale. Is it pilot whale? No, right whale. Yeah, pilot whale. But it's a, which long finned yes. pilot whale? Okay. Um. 
this was your choice for something. And I don't remember what it's called. I think they have it at the Monterey Bay Aquarium now. And it's, I can't say any of those. When you, people who have halos are. <laughs> Angels? Okay. And you're in oh, the water. Uh, uh, p- p- sea angel. Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, good Lord. We're struggling. Not Pacific, but. Atlantic. And it's a bird that is related to the razor bill. Atlantic puffin? Yes. Sweet. Okay. Oops. Turned up. Okay. This it was an animal of the week. And Cinderella has this type of slipper. Glass. Mm-hmm. Octopus. Ha- yep. <laughs> that was weird the way you said that. Okay. Blank and the hound. Fox. Um, it's a little bird. Uh, what? Oh, a finch? No. Uh, a little, a sparrow? Yeah. A hummingbird? A fox sparrow? Yes. The hell? What are these random things I found? Hmm. Okay, this is an animal of the week. They move very slowly. They live really long. They're in a really cold place. Think Jaws. Oh, Greenland shark? Yeah. Uh, so it's a disgusting vegetable uh, that you put on sandwiches or pizza. They're black. <laughs> I was like, what? Olives? Okay. Um, sandwiches? What? Not your front, but your back. No. Oh, your 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 butt. Your there's your front, your back, and then their side. Okay. Um. Put it past tense. Side sided. Okay. Um. Olive sided. When you want to be in the air, you have to jump. No. Fly. Yeah. Um. There's the pitcher, and then there's a... Catcher? Yeah. Oh, my God. Olive-sided fly catcher? Yes. What the hell is that? I earned that one. Oh, my God. (laughs) I don't... These are probably... I don't know if these are birds or these are fish, but wow. These are some random things I found. Dang. Okay. Keep yours separate. Your people separate. Anyway. Okay. Well, there we go. Oh, how many did we get? I didn't count. Hang on. Six. Also six. So we did not do great today. Okay. Well, there we go. Um, as always, that's going to bring us to the end of the episode. Thank you for listening to episode 99. And as always, we're your host, Sally. And Casey. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Animal Addicts Podcast as we continue Europe. Yay. <laughs> <laughs>